We're going to go back to the book of Acts. Kind of dip out of there now and then, but we're going to go back there and pick up the story. In Acts chapter 20, today is where we begin. Grace and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of His Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is present here, and He's within every single believer. And all God's people say, Amen. Anybody recognize the name John Stephan Akwari? Way long time ago, but it'll come back to you, especially the old timers like me. Mm-hmm. The basic facts don't tell the story. John Stephan Akwari was a marathon runner who represented Tanzania in the Olympic Marathon 1968 at Mexico City. He didn't win a medal. In fact, he came nowhere near. But in defeat and in pain, he came to represent something much more profound and enduring than many sportsmen achieve in illustrious careers. Aquari was never likely to win the marathon, but his chances were wrecked when perhaps because of the effects of the high altitude, he succumbed to cramps that slowed his progress. If that was painful, then worse was to come after he was involved in a melee of athletes jockeying for position. 75 runners began the race. Akwari fell to the ground, gashing his knee, also causing a dislocation. He also smashed his shoulder against the pavement. Most observers, seeing his injuries, assumed he would pull out and go to hospital. Instead, he received medical attention and returned to the track to continue his race. His pace, of course, was now much slower, but his resolve to complete the event remained intact. So more than an hour after the winner, Akwari crossed the line in last place cheered home by a few thousand spectators who had remained in the stadium after the sun went down, waiting for him to arrive. By the time he reached the stadium, he was limping, and the bandage around his leg was flapping in the breeze. After the race, John was asked why he carried on, knowing he'd be last. His response has gone down in sporting history. Here's what John said. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Hmm. Isn't that powerful? Well, we've been traveling thousands of miles with the Apostle Paul in the last few months on his missionary journeys in the book of Acts. Today in Acts chapter 20, Paul's going to take a great big step towards his final destination of Rome. John Stephen Aguari was an aspiring man in the 1968 Olympics, but the Apostle Paul is going to encourage us a couple steps even further. So Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 7. On the first day of the week, what's that for you and I? Monday, what's that for a Jew? Sunday. Saturday is their Sabbath, that's their day of rest. Sunday is the first day of the week for them. 
So it's a Sunday, it's a work day back then for the world. On the first day of the week, Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, what were they gathered together to do? I mean, not just break bread, what kind of bread? This is a specific phrase in the book of Acts that usually means having communion together. And that's what they were doing on a Sunday. They, meet, they met Sunday evening because most of them had to work during the day. It was their work day, the community. So they gathered in the evening to break bread together, have communion. Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he said with me, prolonged his speech until midnight. Prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. So I don't know, some, some folks think that Luke was trying to make an excuse for what happens next. He talked really long. There were lamps. So have you ever been um, in a setting, not so much maybe as electricity and so forth, but but if you're maybe at the fire, right? So it's, it's late in the evening, you got the fire going. And if, if conversation kind of slows down, everybody's getting tired, and you're just watching the flames kind of dance, it adds to kind of a hypnotic effect that puts it to sleep, right? Stop it, stop it. You're thinking about it too much and you're starting to go, <laughs> okay? So, but Paul mentions there were lots of lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, verse 9. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. So he's past midnight, he's on a roll, a long roll, still longer. Being overcome by sleep, Eutychus fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down like everybody else rushed down, I'm sure, and bent over him, taking him in his arms. Paul said, do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. When Paul had gone back up to the room and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And you know why I emphasize this. I get razzed every now and then for preaching too long, and I probably need to hear that now and then. It helps to rein me in. But Paul is going to be leaving this town. He believes that he's never going to be back this way again. So this is an opportunity he's not going to miss. And as long as people are willing to sit and listen, he's going to keep on going. So he went through the evening to midnight. Past midnight, Eutychus falls asleep, falls out the window, dies. Does that stop Paul? He goes down, takes him up in his arms. I'm assuming praise. God blesses him, restores his life. I was like, okay, Eutychus is all right. Let's go back upstairs and keep going. Went clear through the night hours into the morning. Now, this is a community Paul had not been in before. He hadn't taught there. He hadn't started a church there. There were believers there when he stopped, but he wanted to give them, obviously, a lot of encouragement, teaching before he moved on. So when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with a long while until daybreak and so departed. Verse 12, they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Praise the Lord. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Asos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos. The day after that, he went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, where he had spent three years in ministry, right? 
couple of weeks ago we were there. They had the whole greatest Artemis of the Ephesians riot in the, the theater that I showed you on the screen. So Paul decided to, to uh, sail around Ephesus. You might say, well, why would he skip Ephesus? He really already said he'd been, his goodbyes there. Wasn't all that long ago that he kind of had to leave town because of the riot. So Paul decides, I'm not going to stop at Ephesus this time. It says, so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now they stopped at Miletus, which is a, a few miles south of Ephesus. Actually, a few miles, like 30 miles. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from, he's going to list three things he did not shrink from. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Through thick and thin and attempts on his life and being run out of town and all kinds of crazy stuff, life-threatening stuff, what was Paul's continuous focus in life and ministry? Declaring, teaching, Testifying of what? Repentance toward God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us has trials at different times in our lives. Um, we've all had a common trial with COVID and uh, the social unrest, all the upheaval that's going on right now. We all have that in common. So whatever intense personal things you're experiencing, whatever general things you're experiencing together, what should our continual primary focus in life and faith walk be? I would submit to you that this is a really good thing to grab onto. Declaring, teaching, testifying. What's our focus in declaring, teaching, and testifying? Repentance towards God. We need to encourage each other and let other people know who don't know Jesus yet. Here's your opportunity. Turn away from your sin, repent and turn to Jesus, who forgives and saves. I'm really excited that we've been able to put Sunday School together. A lot of churches haven't been able to do that. I'm really excited that we have a workable plan for Pioneer Club starting the first week in October. A lot of churches have not been able to do that. So I'm really, really humble and glad God has helped us to be able to, in those program ministry ways, continue to be able to declare and teach and testify. The folks need to continue to be doing this in our daily lives. Whatever folks God has brought into our daily lives to give us opportunity to build a relationship with and share the Lord with, we've been praying for them, asking God for opportunities to open my mouth and speak. But our lives, our actions always need to be Declaring, teaching, and testifying, even if our mouth isn't open. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay.
too many people are still back there with the flickering flame, and, right? Just couldn't hear through the mask. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So, so Paul lays it out here. He says, in humility, declaring, teaching, testifying. Verse 22. He says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. Now, when you hear that, when you hear that constrained, it's almost like tied up, right? It's um, Paul has committed himself. God, I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will go wherever you tell me to go. And so the Spirit has laid on Paul's heart instruction to go to Jerusalem, and then beyond that, to Rome. He says, so the Holy Spirit's constrained me. He says, I know what I have to do. I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. But then, interesting here, he says, not knowing what will happen to me there. So when, when God tells us to do something or lays on our hearts to, to step out in ministry or step out in a relationship, in a way uh, we're pursuing God for it, uh, do we always know how that's going to turn out? Do we always know what it's going to look like? Even Paul didn't know. The Holy Spirit a lot of times is telling Paul, don't go there. Yes, go here. But did Paul know all the details? Did he know all the ins and outs? Did he know everything in the future? Tomorrow I know exactly what's going to happen. Paul didn't know that either. So as he steps into obedience, how is he doing that? He's doing that in faith, trusting whom? Trusting the Lord himself to bring him through and to accomplish the fruit that God wants to accomplish. So it's really interesting here. It says, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. In every city? In every stop? People with uh, prophetic gifting. And they would go into meeting, they would pray, they would worship, they would, would ask God for a word. And different people, in every city that Paul stopped in, somebody prophetically was saying, the Lord is saying that you're going to be imprisoned and you're going to, you're going to experience afflictions. Wouldn't you think he would turn and go the other direction then? But he can't because what? The Holy Spirit has constrained him to follow through. And God keeps on giving heads up over and over and over again. Here's what's coming your way, imprisonment and affliction. Verse 24. Now this is a really fascinating verse. You need to kind of strap on, hold on for a second. At first it sounds really messed up and wrong. But then we're going to see how it makes sense and it's powerful. Verse 24. Paul says, but I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If you stop there, it sounds horrible. It sounds like he doesn't think his life has any value. Like there's no purpose in it. That's not what he's saying at all. There's a comma there. Right? He's not done yet. But let's soak in this again. Verse 24. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Here's what Paul is saying. The only value, the greatest value I see in my life is finishing the course, the purpose that God has laid out for me. That's what matters the most. He's not saying his life doesn't have any value. He says the great value in my life is accomplishing what God's laid out for me to do. 
Wow. Has God laid out anything for your life? Maybe not missionary journeys on a boat in the Mediterranean. But God has laid out a purpose for every single one of us. Not just one purpose, ongoing purpose of declaring and testifying and teaching with our actions and with our words as we have opportunity. But every single one of us has purpose and design from the Lord. And so we can take Paul's view of life to heart. We really should this morning because this is the design of God. God, the most valuable thing about my life is walking with you, being saved in Jesus, and accomplishing what you've laid out for my life to accomplish. This is big stuff. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from Lord Jesus. What is that ministry? To testify to the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. To testify. Because there's way too many folks, and there might be some sitting here this morning, that we've got this idea, if I'm just a really good person, work at really being a really good person, then, then I've got my ticket to heaven. Folks, it doesn't work that way. The wages of sin is all have sinned falling short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. If anyone here in this room could ever be good enough or do enough good things to get to heaven, then you don't need Jesus and you don't need the cross if you can do it yourself. If you can do it yourself, then God is really messed up to make Jesus go through that whole cross thing. So here's the deal. None of us can. And that's why Jesus, that's why the cross. All who believe and receive Jesus, then the grace, the love, the unconditional love of God pours into our lives, forgives, cleanses, saves. That's what Paul devoted his life to, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Now we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 for a second and get that really strong connection to John, Stephen, Aguari. Um, and we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews in the Bible. Sometimes I'm, in the, I'm not the only one, sometimes I'm really feeling like it was Paul. Because there's so many things that connect. But Paul's been talking here in Acts chapter 20 about finishing my course. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's a couple of themes here. This is the first appearance of one. The race that is set before us. Who set the race for John Stephen Aquari? Well, an Olympic committee designed the course, and they put flags along the path, and they showed them a map ahead of time so they wouldn't take wrong turns. Who has set the race for you? Who has designed the course? Put flags along the way. And maybe God is, well, God has done that. And you saw in the video, there were stations along the way where you could get a cup of water as you were running the race, right? You could run by and grab it off the table. God has set up times of refreshment, people to refresh and encourage, all those things, a lot of similarities. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us by God, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. No kidding, I decided last night over here to switch the banners around. Didn't know I was going to be, uh, God would point me to Hebrews chapter 12. And so after I realized that, I was like, oh, you're cool. I mean, I didn't know that. God knew that. He knew that we were going to use this verse today, and the banner was going to connect with it. Looking to Jesus, the founder, the author, and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, now wait a minute, the author of Hebrews says that our race has been set before us by God, and that Jesus had something set before him. Who did that for Jesus? God the Father set a course, a race for him to, to accomplish. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus? A whole bunch of things. Biggest joy, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to define the value. But Jesus endured the cross because he knew he was going to have the joy of saving you and me and having us with him forever. And he, had, he knew the joy also was before him was that he was going to get to return to his Father, be in his presence forever. He was going to have the joy of the resurrection and beating sin and death itself and the devil himself. All those joys lay before him. For those joys, Jesus endured the cross. Even though it was set before him for the Father, the Father said, you've got to do this. There is no other way. This is the path for you. Folks, every single life here, God has set out the path for you. That helps, doesn't it? And he's promised to be with us along the way. Never to abandon us. So Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, that's our destination too. As we hang on to Jesus by faith. So we go back to Acts 20, 24. Now we see it in the light of Hebrews 12. Paul saying, I, I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. John Aguari said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me to finish. God has set out a, a, a race, a life plan for each one of us here. You know, did he call you and place you for such a time as this, in this nation, this county, this church, for right now? To just start or to finish? We're here to finish in Jesus' name. Can you say it with me? We're, We're here, here to finish, finish in, in Jesus', Jesus name. name. Is it going to take endurance? Mm -hmm. Is it going to take people around us like John? They said, oh man, you got injuries, you're banged up, you're dislocation, you're a mess. Let's go to hospital. You might have people look at us and say, you're a mess. Yeah, I quit. By the grace of God and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we're going to finish. We're going to do it. We're going to press on. We're going to finish until the Lord takes us home.
And um, do we need to worry about whether he's going to wait up until dark? Maybe I'm the last one in to give me the crown that he's got waiting for me? No, we need to worry. Our God never naps. Our God doesn't sleep. He's going he's gonna to welcome us home. Let's pray. Mighty God, thank you so much for the life, witness, and testimony of Paul. The stuff he went through, uh, chapter after chapter, we're amazed. What you brought him through, what you healed him from, the next place you sent him to, and the challenges he had there. Thank you, God, for this testimony from Paul, where he just up front says, Yeah, personally, my life doesn't mean that much to me, except for this that I have an appointment, a race has been set for me, and I am really looking forward to finishing it and glorifying my God and Savior. Thank you. God, I pray that for myself and for everyone here, those who listen online and watch online, God Almighty, come in strength and power and grace and love. Come right now, Jesus. Refresh us, renew us. Uh, We're going to wrap up our, our wounds, our, our uh, bandages, we're going to bring, we're going to receive healing from you, Lord God, for our souls, for our bodies. And God, help us in resurrection power in Jesus' name to get back on the track, to keep on going forward and finish the race. Help us, Lord God, to declare and teach and testify to the Lord Jesus Christ to repentance from sin, to a God who saves in Jesus. Bless you, Father. Thank you, my God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll close singing. Hymn number 402. Oh, Jesus, I have promised, like Paul did. 402. you in peace and grace as you follow the path, the race that you and finish all the way. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.